0: Today we're in John chapter 6. If you want to turn to your Bibles there, we'll be there in just a few minutes. I want to be honest this morning. Sometimes when you sit and listen to a sermon, you can get so fixated on one thing that you miss a lot of other things that are being said. For example, I I heard of a pastor who preached a sermon on the parable of the mustard seed. And that day when he came and he preached on it, he had a bag. And in the bag he said, I have 10,000 mustard seeds in here. And he preached a wonderful sermon, a very challenging sermon. But at the end of the, end of the sermon, what do you think people took away from that? The, f- the first thing they wanted to know was, did he really have that many mustard seeds in the bag? They missed everything that was going on because of the one simple thing. And I think when you come to a passage like this today, uh, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, we can get so caught up and people want to know, did Jesus really feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish? So I want to clear that up for you right now. Jesus did not feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It simply did not happen. You can write that down that Pastor Michael Moore said that Jesus did not feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I want you to know that Jesus fed up to 25,000 people with five loaves and two fish. When you read it in the Bible, see, they only uh, included the men in the count, so they didn't include women and children, So if everybody had a spouse and two children, that means 20,000 people were fed in this miracle. Or if everybody has as many children as Angela Kuhn-Case, that means 450,000 people were fed. I'm just joking. 500,000 people were fed. Uh, But, you know, so you don't get so caught up in what's going on. But the second thing I want you to know that if Jesus said it, you can bank on it. This is the infallible, inspired, and errant word of God. This is the truth. So Jesus said he did it. He did it. And so don't get caught up on everything else that's going on today in this passage that you lose sight of what God's trying to say. So if you're able to now, I'd invite you to stand in honor of reading God's Word, and we'll start this sermon off by reading the Word of God. John chapter 6, verse 1 through 15. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill... He told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this miracle, Lord. I thank you so much for the truth. In this passage, Lord, I pray today as we open up your word, I pray that the spirit just unlocks these truths. Lord, I pray we're ready to hear them and we're ready to respond to the challenge you've laid in front of us today. Lord, I just pray that you empty me and myself now, Lord, and just uh, fill me up with the spirit, Lord, to proclaim your word boldly. So, in Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. May be seated we start off this passage it's something that seems pretty simple it's the words after this or different translations say after these things and we're tempted when we hear something like that to just look back at the previous passage and say oh after that but see john's gospel is selective in the sense that it does not record the events of jesus life that does not help him fulfill his purpose so you just can't look at john chapter 5 and figure out what's going on but this miracle is so awesome that it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. So we're able to find out what after this means by piecing it together and looking at everything that's going on. And after this probably means a period of, of time where the disciples were, were away teaching for several weeks of ministry, and Jesus himself was teaching, but he had just heard the news of John the Baptist being beheaded. And I believe that he wanted time to process this. Uh, We forget that while Jesus was fully divine, he was also fully human on his time on earth. And so he just really wanted to get away. And I think about that. We all have after this moments in our life, don't we? I mean, we might have a tragedy in our own life, and we really don't want to deal with anything. We don't want to talk to anybody. We just want time to process it. But unfortunately, there's so many things that are going on, we don't have time to do it, that there's people around us that need us and need us to do some things. But maybe you've, maybe you've just uh, lost your job or taken a pay cut, and you're coming home from work and you want to, like, crunch the figures and figure out how you're going to provide for your family, and, and you sit there and you look, it's not going to work, and you walk in the door, and there are your children waiting for you to take, take them to buy a new baseball or softball glove. They don't know what's going on in your life, and, and it's not anything wrong with it. They just, they just need you, and you really can't handle it right then. Or maybe you've, you've overcommitted to yourself to the point of explosion. Anybody ever done that? You just take on more and more and more, and then somebody comes to you and wants you to do more, and you're just about to explode because you can't handle it anymore. They don't understand what you've been going through. Preachers, we have our after-this moments. Uh, for instance, when, when I preach... Quite frankly, when I'm done preaching, I just want to go to El Caparel, you know, get a little fajitas, little beans and rice, you know, a little cheese sauce, and I'll go if you want to pay. I'll do a sign-up sheet. We'll pass it around, all right? That's pretty much what I want after I preach, and then I want to take a nap, right, Curtis? That is what we do, right? But it doesn't always work like that, right? That might be how we start our day off, but in ministry, invariably, something comes up that we need to go see a family, and that's okay, that's not that's not a big deal that's what we have to do we're okay with that it just didn't go how we had planned sometimes and Jesus himself had this after this moment right here he is thinking he was going to get away a little bit and he was going to have some time with the disciples and they went to the Sea of Galilee which the scripture says is the Sea of Tiberias I ask you did Jesus get his downtime yes and no is the answer I wrote it's like If you read the other accounts of the passage, you actually see that that they actually beat him there. They saw him. They tried to sneak away quietly, but they beat him there. And they weren't following him because he was Jesus. They were following him because he was healing the sick. So no, Jesus did not get the vacation or rest that he thought he was going to have. He tried to slip away quietly. I don't want you to, to overlook this point. Did he show impatience with this interruption? Think about this. Do you, have you ever told your kids, just leave me alone or just go watch a SpongeBob marathon? You know, just, I just want some time by myself, right? Have you ever done that? See, Jesus welcomed the interruption. He welcomed the thing. And so the question I have for you today is how do you see people who interrupt your schedule? Do you see them as pains and nuisances or do you see them as the purpose for your life and ministry? See, there's people all around us that are in need And probably today, you're going to have somebody that comes into your life that God puts them in your path for a reason. And you've got to ask yourself, why has God put this person in my path and how can I serve them? Not what we're tempted to do. Why, God, have you put this person in my path? Have you ever done that? But why, God, have you put this person in my path and how can I serve them? And secondly, and I think this is easy to bypass in this passage, I ask you, did Jesus get the rest that he thought he was going to have? And I said yes and no. No in the sense that it wasn't what he thought he was going to have. But if you look in verse 3 here, it says Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. So we see that he did have some time alone. In verse 4, we see the Passover was at hand. In verse 5, it says lifting up his eyes. See, I don't want you to miss this point. He knew they were there. He knew there was a need, but he simply had to have some time with his disciples, some time to rest. And, I, and it's important to understand that rest is very necessary in the Christian life. Now, I didn't say dormant rest. There's a difference between dormant rest and refresher rest. So many times in life, people say, I've served for X amount of years, and it's time for somebody else to do that. Service to the king has no retirement age. He never stops serving us, and we should never stop serving him until he takes us home. We should never stop doing that. I think about one of the best examples I can do is a cell phone. Pretty much everybody has a cell phone today, right? And if you don't have a cell phone, it can be incredibly irritating. It can actually be irritating if you do have a cell phone. Like, who has a Bluetooth? You know what a Bluetooth is? It's where you can put it in your ear. And you can talk to people without anybody else knowing what's going on, right? And and so you can I was in a grocery store, I was in Food Lion, and I was at the Krispy Kreme Aisle. Um, I wasn't there for me, I was there for a friend. Don't judge me. All right. So I was sitting over there, and I was buying it for Curtis, and I was sitting there, and this other guy was in the in the in the Krispy Kreme aisle, and he starts talking. As I'm picking up the box, he goes, You don't need those, they're gonna make you fatter than you already are. And I'm like, you want to roll? I mean, we'll go after it, man. And he said, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my wife on the phone. I'm sorry. And I'm like, man, you got some more problems than I thought you had. But who has a cell phone? I'm going to borrow uh, Miss Abby's cell phone over here. Abby Ponder here. She's got a cell phone. I did set this one up here that I told her I need her cell phone. Right now we're going to play, let's see who Abby's been texting game. We're going to do that. We can see Margo here dancing. We got all types of things here. But if you think about a cell phone, uh, when we use it, We use it all day long, right? We use it for business. We use it for, uh, mostly use it for Facebook these days and for texting. But what happens with a cell phone at the end of the day? You gotta plug it up, right? Because what happens? The battery gets worn down. If you don't plug it up, if you don't charge it, you're not gonna have any energy, you're not gonna have any life, and quite frankly, the cell phone's not gonna be any good the next day, right? Now, I gotta ask you the question Can you just lie the cell phone down anywhere? Can you just put it down and expect it to get charged? Absolutely not. You, got, you doing all right? You taking breaks yet? All right, we're doing good over here. You got to connect it to the power source. If you don't connect it to the power source, it simply will not work for you the next day. It will not have a signal. I'm going to keep this. If you get any text, I'm going to talk to you about it, all right? All right, there we go. Don't make this go off on me here. All right, so people, if, if you don't make it lie down, it simply won't work for you the next day. And we're the same way. If, if, if we don't lie down and get connected, then we won't work the next day. We won't be able to receive or send a signal. We won't be any good for use. And I think so many times we try to plug it in. You ever try to do that? You are trying to plug it in, you're talking on the phone, just trying to get that little bit of signal left so you can get it. And we wear ourselves down and we're really no good for anyone. So if you're not getting your rest, if you're not getting your refresher rest and using the right power source, you'll be good for no one. And without rest, we simply won't be prepared for the next test. And so looking at the other Gospels, you just got a text in. That's a restricted phone call. We'll get that later, okay? All right, so by looking at the other Gospels, we see that Jesus, when he opened up his eyes, that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And and he began teaching them about the kingdom of God. Now, I ask you, when I said, see, the people were there for the power that Jesus could take care of in their physical lives and not their spiritual lives. Now, did Jesus just take care of their physical needs in this passage? No, he also talked to them about the kingdom of God. It reminds me that we should take every opportunity to share the gospel. While we shouldn't neglect their physical needs, we, we shouldn't neglect the need of all needs, and that is the need of a Savior. And we see now as we move into the next part of the passage is what most people see is the heart of the passage, that Jesus is going to test the disciples. They're going to see what's going on in his life. How are they going to react to this test? They know that Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom of God. They knew that these people were there, the majority of them, for the wrong reasons. And they should have known that they had a captive audience and up to 25,000 people, 450,000 Angela Kuhn cases that they could have affected with that, right? They should have known what was going on. And so we're going to see how they respond because Jesus already knows what they're going to do. And it should remind you that Jesus knows everything that you're going through in your life too. And if you're trying to process and you're trying to take care of things on your own, maybe you should first consider what Jesus wants you to do in your life. But we all make mistakes and we all fall short. And I want you to see how the disciples themselves responded to the faith test. And I have four solutions here. So they have to do something, right? They have people on there. And I think, I think that it, honestly, that they were trying to do something good here. We look at the first solution, and I wrote down there, send them away. Is they come to Jesus and said, look, it's getting late at night. This is a desolate place. We really need to send these people away so they can get some food. Now, I'm thinking to myself, he's got them. He's talking about the kingdom of God with them. And so the disciples think send them away is the best thing to do. Because they really think they're helping them out by doing that, right? But what has Jesus said to them? No, you give them something to eat. And I think we can sit there and judge the disciples and say, how could you do that, man? How could you send that many people away? But if we're honest with ourselves, how many times do we just drive right past people in need? That we just bypass their needs because we're so caught up on our schedule and we see it as a pain, Right? And I think so many times we see the panhandlers and we ask ourselves, uh, do they, are they really homeless? Or do they really need something? Are they trying to make a profit off of it? I got to tell you, it's not our place to judge. It's our place to serve and give. And I know a family in our congregation that every Sunday morning they pack a lunch and, and they come to church. And, and on the way home, they, they stop and give it to the person that's there every week. They ca- take care of their physical needs, but they also take care... Of their spiritual needs and talk to them about the kingdom of god so they, they tried to send them away first and jesus said no you're going to give them something to eat and so the second solution that they come come up with and i, and I wrote here to call for takeout see yeah that's the best thing i can think of right the, the typical response for anyone when jesus says no you buy them something to eat and if you ask yourself why are they asking philip this question Uh, Philip was from nearby Bethesda, and so he might be the one, he might know the Domino's hookup, you know, go discount on some pizza and everything, so they're asking him, hey, what's going on here? And first thing that Philip thinks about is the first thing that we often think about. How much is it going to cost us? And he says, it's going to cost us roughly 200 days wages, and that's not going to be enough for everybody to just get a little bit. Too many times in life that we think money is going to be the fulfillment of our needs. Do you know how many times I've heard the phraseology, if I could only win the lottery? How many people in this room, don't show their hands, but how many people do you really think have a list of what you're going to buy if you could only win the lottery? We could roll off five or six things, man. Right? Immediately of what we could do. But if that is the fulfillment, you'll never have enough money. Fulfillment only comes from Jesus Christ. Matthew six nineteen through twenty one says, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and thieves do not break up and break in and steal. For where your heart is, there your treasure will lie also. Folks, we do not let money stop us from providing and meeting people's needs. We do not let money stop us from going on mission trips." Don't let money be a barrier from you serving Jesus. Jesus asked Philip this question, and the first thing he thought about in this faith test was his wallet. And the third solution I wrote down here is found something, now what? I mean, you've got to imagine the disciples at this point, right? The first thing that they tried to do was to send them away. I don't want to deal with this problem. Just send them away, and they can get some food on their own. Jesus says, I don't think so, Scooter. That's not going to work, right? So the second thing that he does, it says, you take care and you buy them. And they say, we don't have enough money. So you imagine Andrew, right? Andrew's going out, and he has to find some food. Do you think he's a little pessimistic at this point in time? That he's going to survey the crowd and try to find food for 20,000 people? And he's going through that. And I I think about this in my own life. I remember one time uh, I was going out to eat down to Rouse Barbecue down in North Carolina, another place I'll go if you want to buy. And we're over there, and I was going with these three guys. And one of them bought lunch on a Thursday or dinner on a Thursday. One of them had bought lunch on a Friday. And here we are going down uh, to North Carolina. And so what's the right thing to do? If you're taking turns, you buy, right? And my wife loves barbecue. And so I had to get her some barbecue to go. And the way it works at Ralph's Barbecue is that you take, uh, you you, you order it, and they put it aside, and you pay for it separately when you come up there. So I had $40 to my name, but that's okay. I had a credit card. So I went over there, and afterwards I grabbed the bill, trying to be Mr. Macho, and I said, I grabbed the bill, I got this. And so they said, okay. The bill was $39 or something, I don't remember, but I have $40, so I'm gonna have to use credit. So I go up to the register, and I plop down my credit card, and right before I say, that is my barbecue I need, they say the words that would change the course of my day. We only accept cash. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I gonna do now? What am I going to do now? Am I going to be a man and humble myself and go outside and tell those guys that I don't have enough money to to buy this other barbecue, or am I going to stiff my wife and she's just not going to get her barbecue? I did what any man would do. I stiffed my wife. I went out there. (laughs) I went out there, and I'm like, man, I, she'll just have to understand, right? I couldn't tell these guys I didn't have enough money to deal with this problem right now. So I thought I had it. And this was a long parking lot. If you've ever been there, it's like walking to Pastor Curtis's house. And I'm walking over there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I got rid of that one. And one of the guys, when I got there, and I'll clean this up because it was not pretty on the language that he used. But he said to me, you forgot your wife's barbecue when I got to the thing. And I'm thinking, busted. I have a decision to make at this point in time am I going to tell him I didn't have enough money or am I going to try to trust in myself and figure it out I trusted in myself and figured it out as I walk across the parking lot back to Ralph's barbecue with less than a dollar to my name and there's ten dollars of barbecue that I've got to get I went up there and I'm like I don't know what I'm going to do I walked in the door and I told them the story and while they thought it was funny they certainly were not going to give me the barbecue for less than a dollar right So I said, look, I've got to do something. My pride is on the line here, right? I've got to do something here, right? So they give me a bun with a few strands of barbecue in it. I mean, literally, it was the most pitiful barbecue sandwich you've ever seen in your life. And I'm like, can you put it in a big bag? Because I don't want to be busted by this. So I come back, and I'm walking back to them guys, and those guys didn't say anything. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, right? Because I don't know what I was going to do. And I walk into the door of my house, and I imagine it's just like Andrew now. He, he knows that Jesus is not going to take no for an answer, that he's not going to be fed. And all he found was a little boy with five loaves and two fish. And I'm not Jesus. I can't make the barbecue multiply. It's pathetic. All right? And I'm going to give it to my wife. And so I give it to my wife. And the first thing she looks at is she goes, what is this? She was not happy, and it didn't multiply and everything. And I didn't tell the truth of that story to like three years later, right? But I try to take care of my own stuff. So you really can't blame Andrew, right, for how he's feeling bringing this little boy over here. But I like Andrew. I mean, Andrew's a cool dude. He's always found bringing people to Jesus. So he's bringing this little boy to Jesus. He might not know how to solve the problem, but he's bringing them to the right source, right? He's bringing them to Jesus. In John chapter one, when he first hears Jesus talking, he goes and tells his brother and says, "Hey, I think we found the Messiah. why don't you come and meet Jesus?" Later on in John chapter uh, 11, Philip comes to him and says, "Man, these Greeks they want to come meet Jesus. What do you think we should do?" And Andrew says, like, "I don't know. why don't we go meet Jesus? Why don't we go take him to see them?" And so he was always trying to come and show people where Jesus was. and I've got to tell you, this wasn't like primo bread this wasn't panera bread it's more like the 99 cent double cheeseburger bread at mcdonald's at the end of the day and this wasn't great uh bass that you get out of Briary creek you know this is more like the minnows i've seen mike page catch out of Briary creek i mean this is not primo this stuff this is more like bait but at least andrew was trying so here he is he brought it to jesus which brings me to the fourth solution and the true solution that it comes from the lord he didn't just say take this and it'll be enough and hand it out no, Jesus blessed the food. He broke it and handed it out to the disciples, and the whole crowd had enough. See, do you get it? See, this miracle, it took place in the hands of the Savior and not in the hands of the disciples. See, Jesus does the multiplying. It is incredibly neat to watch, but it's also incredibly humbling to be a part of his service and his ministry, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. See, the disciples, man, they were it. They got private time with Jesus. They were discipled by him. And you like to think, man, they, they should have been the one in the story who actually got it. But who was the person in the story who actually got it? We can get so caught up on the feeding and what else is going on that we'll lose sight of the person who actually got it. It was the little boy who used his entire lunch for Jesus to make a kingdom impact for eternity. See, whenever there is a need, we just have to give all we can to Jesus and let him do the multiplying and let him use it. That little boy was not selfish with his lunch. He said, here you go, Jesus. Do with it what you want to do. And I'm here to tell you that that little boy's lunch meant as much to Jesus as that expensive ointment that was given. And there was so much left over. We look at the passage and see that it was enough left over that they had 12 baskets of fragments left over for future use. And notice this, that Jesus looked up to heaven and he blessed the food. He reminded the hungry people that God is the source of all good and needful gifts. So instead of complaining about what we do not have, why don't we give thanks to God for what we do have, and he will multiply it and bless us. Think about the things that you could do with your excess. And I'm not just talking about the money aspect of it. I'm talking about your time and your talents. We have VBS coming up here, and we need some help. We need some people on Friday night. Is that right, Shelley and Kim? We need some people that are coming and doing that. And I'm not just saying that because we need volunteers. I'm saying that because we have a lot of children coming here that don't know Jesus and we can introduce him to Jesus. And we need you to step up and help. We have an outreach uh, thing. If you want to go to the Welcome Center, you can pick up a bag, and we have street names on there, and they have the gospel. It's simply just going door to door and handing people a bag. I remember, you don't know the impact that you can make on people's lives just by serving. Last year, we went out. Last winter, I, I gathered some clothes, and we a couple of us went out uh, to this homeless person. He was homeless by choice. But remember how cold it was last winter? I mean, I got out the car, and I was already ready to get back in the car. And we went through the woods, and we met this man. And, and he had uh, jeans and a shirt and uh, a couple shirts on. And we gave him some food, and we talked to him about Jesus, and he was saved. And he was living there by choice. And we tried to give him the clothes that we had. And you know what he told me? He said, I'm good. Give that to somebody else who needs it more than I do. And I'm thinking to myself, then, how many choices do we have? Just myself, the choices of ties or the suits I wanna wear, right? The different things that I want to do. And here this guy is just with a pair of jeans and a shirt in the middle of winter. And he said, give it to somebody else who needs it more than I do. James Meadows and me and Chris David, we went out uh, down through an area and we found a homeless lady and we gave her a sweater. And she just started crying because it's really what she needed at that point in time. Folks, we are blessed beyond measure. We really are. And I think, you know, Curtis said a few weeks ago that you see a need, you have to meet it. The passage shows that we have more than enough. And i got to ask you today, how are you going to step up to the plate and serve the needs of those around you? Have you been resting too long? Have you been in that dormant rest and you need to start serving Jesus wholeheartedly? that you know that you are blessed beyond measure. And hopefully this passage shows you that, that that it's not about us and what we can give. We might not think we have enough, but Jesus can do everything. Are you charging your batteries in the proper place? Are you spending the proper time with Jesus? And I don't want the quick charge either. I don't want like, you know, the Red Bull charge. I want you to spend time with Jesus. I want you to, to just seek him and listen to him and talk to him and be with Jesus and to get your batteries charged in the right place. But just maybe, just maybe someone in this room today doesn't know the source of all things, and that name is Jesus. And I would be thrilled, just like Andrew, to introduce you to him today. And as we come time to the invitation, I want you to consider coming to the altar and praying to Jesus on how that you can use your gifts and what you have to serve him wholeheartedly. Maybe you've been holding back, you've only been giving him part of your lunch, and he wants you to give all of your lunch. I want you to consider today how you can serve Jesus with all your heart. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've been holding back, and you've been trusting this world for too long, today is the day that I want you to come forward and boldly come forward and say, I don't know Jesus, and I want to meet him. I want you to tell me how I can be saved for all eternity. I don't want you to wait any longer because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Today is the day that you need to make a decision.